0: Welcome Change Agents, I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. Hey there, Cheryl here. It is a very special day. I'm really excited to be here with Elisa Bell and is the Director of Mobile Products at Transurban. Elisa, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and to be
1: here today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you.
0: Yeah. Now you have had um, a really successful ascent in your career and it's maybe even been a little bit of a circuitous route. And I am really looking forward to hearing about that because I think it will be incredibly inspiring to others. But before we hop into that, and before we hop into also how to really create and inspire high performing teams, and really cohesive teams and that's a word that's important too because as emotions run high with covid and back to work kind of coming or a hybrid i think that cohesiveness is going to be incredibly important too but before we hop into that can you tell me a little bit about where things began for you um i know even as early as college you did not come out of the gates as a technologist so where you started and what inspired you
1: Yeah, so I um, I've always been extremely creative, Um, and as a kid, I danced for I don't know ten plus years. I played the piano for longer than that. Um, Very into the visual arts, but then I went to a science and tech high school, so that was complete completely the opposite. I've always been good at math, and I like technology, but never really considered myself to want to go into science or anything like that. So. During college, what I was really attracted to was sociology, so I majored in sociology. And my mother—it's a joke now, but she's like, "Oh my God, you're going to end up selling shoes," and I was like, "Great." (laughs) There's nothing (laughs) wrong (laughs) with that. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, But and it's it's a running joke. My mom's lovely. My mom's a teacher, and so for her, I think she she just had a very defined career. She was a teacher, elementary school teacher, and education was always really important to her. So that was something that was embedded into my brother and I. But um, after college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, And it kind of freaked me out because I had friends who knew I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be an engineer, I had no idea. I just knew that, okay, I've graduated from an amazing university, and I want to do something that is interesting to me. So I really started just diving into roles that sounded like fun and would give me some great experiences and things just kind of worked out from there. But um, if I had asked, kind of looked, if I could look back now, I would never would have imagined I would be here today. Um, And it's just, it's funny. I remember giving a talk to some students and I had this slide that showed my career like a zigzaggy line versus a straight line because there have been so many turns along the way, but ultimately, you always kind of land where you're meant to be. And so I kind of had roles in the financial space. Um, I worked at Ernst & Young in business operations. I worked at Blackboard, which was a technology company. And I think that's when I really saw that um, product development and marketing and sales were really driving major decisions at an organization, and that's what really prompted me to go back to business school. So I think for me is, And one thing I do like to tell people is that you can end up in a STEM career, but not not start out that way. You don't have to be a coder. You don't have to be an engineer um, by trade. Um, It's really about the experiences that you're able to get and your transferable skills and how you can parlay that into a career in the STEM spaces if you want to be.
0: Yeah. And we talked a little bit about that, you know, before going live and I was, I think I brought up that there's consistent messages that I've heard across a lot of interviews and you brought up something that I have heard before, but you've said it in a different way and I want to make sure to emphasize it. And that is be less concerned about what's expected of you or what you expect of yourself. In other words, the story that you have in your mind of what you should be doing Mm -hmm. versus what you're interested in doing. So can you speak to that a little bit in that when you said to really, um, keep that in mind and focus on the experiences?
1: Absolutely. I think for me, I found myself, um, I'm a planner, very type A. So at 25, I want to be here at 30. I want to be here and 35 I want to be here. And I think, um, that puts so much pressure on yourself to um, make, to fulfill these arbitrary checkpoints that you've put in your life instead of enjoying the journey and focusing on the experiences that you want to gain, the things you want to learn, um, the people you want to meet. Uh, and I think once I started to shift my mindset in that way, um, my growth. Um, within my career really changed. And I started to enjoy the ride a lot more than I was before. And unfortunately, I didn't think I really hit that stride into my 30s. And if I could go back and tell myself in the 20s, just that, I, I, it's always interesting. I wonder what where I would be. But um, I think it's so key to understand, what do you wanna learn? What exa- uh, what um, opportunities do you wanna walk away with? what impact do you wanna leave at an organization versus being solely focused on, I want this title, Um, I want to have X number of direct reports. I always go back to the why. What are you truly trying to accomplish? And I think once you focus in that way, um, the sky's the limit.
0: Yeah, and so just to reiterate that, I asked the, the question of, if you were to put your hands on the shoulders of your young, your 25 year old self, what is the one thing that you would look yourself in the eyes and say, you always need to remember this? Like, what could you share with people?
1: Uh, Relax and enjoy the ride. Just relax. And I think I was always uptight and really worried. I worried a lot. I was uptight. I was always concerned with, um, am I going to be successful? Am I successful? And I would just tell myself to just relax, take a breath and enjoy it because it goes by so fast. And you don't want to spend so much time um, worrying about where you are within your career or comparing yourself against others that you truly miss those golden nuggets and those opportunities and those interactions with people or um, those great things that you accomplish within different roles, Um, being so focused and on whether or not you're truly achieving some fictitious benchmark you've placed on yourself. So I would tell myself to relax and enjoy.
0: Yeah. And I think that's not just for emerging leaders. Right. I work with so many amazing women who are, you know, maybe they're a chief marketing officer and they're looking to get on a board seat. It's like, enjoy. I mean, I think that is just a very um, universal message is what i And so of course, I have to ask about mindset just to kind of marry the two worlds that we're in and if you look at your journey and how you you know gotten to the level of success that you've seen at transurban and even prior what mindset has allowed you to kind of keep that worry at bay and just keep chugging along and doing the things
1: yeah that's a great question i think um having kids forced me to change how I think and how I rewired my my mind and how I talk to myself. So I think for me, it's having a mindset of being, um, what's the word I like to use? It's almost um, giving myself grace. Um, I think once I started doing that, I've, I was able to be more effective because I was giving myself the permission to make mistakes i always tell my team that if you're not making mistakes you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough and i think that's so true and so i think once i was able to shift my mindset to give yourself some grace um i was a little more fearless
0: yeah that is so so important and your team is lucky to have you because (laughs) we uh, as human beings just so you know based on the last 40 years of human performance research We are creatures of comfort and we all know that success lies beyond our comfort zone. We might stick our toe out there, but we're not likely to exist out there for very long by ourselves um, until we start to form some habits. And so it's really great that you have that mindset and that drive and, you know, push others because you probably see the greatness in them that maybe they don't see in themselves.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that really parlays into, you know, the title of what we're talking about today. And that's really building high performing, but also cohesive teams, you know, as we're in really the coming into the middle of year two of a pandemic. um, I mean, this was, we've talked about it. This was important before a pandemic. Mm -hmm. But now as we get ready to either go back to work or have a hybrid or, or end up staying at home working. It's just emotions are running high, probably it's difficult to focus. So can you share a little bit about um, your thoughts on building high performing teams that are cohesive? In other words, that are kind of working together like a fine oiled engine, Mm -hmm. and helping each other out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there are two things that I I think you have to have as a baseline, particularly as a manager, people leader, to, to form that a cohesive and high-performing team. One is showing empathy and showing vulnerability. And I think particularly during a time like this, experiencing a pandemic, and when we've all been thrust, you know, shut into our homes and being forced to figure out how do you, What's that balance between work and personal when it's all happening in the same place? Um, and I think it's showing that I I understand this is a hard time. I understand this is hard. And I know it looks different for everyone else. And I'm willing to show you that I don't have it all together. My team knows I'm very open and honest. And if I'm having a bad day or if I'm struggling, particularly with all the horrible things that have been going on in this world i'm very open and i will let them know and i think showing that vulnerability it it kind of creates this baseline and it takes away this i'm your manager and you're you know you report into me versus we're we're human beings and we're all on this team and we are going to work together to you know advance and and succeed and and meet a common goal so for me starting with being um, being able to show the empathy and show vulnerability has led to creating true trust within the team. And I think once you have that, um, you ha- you can start to develop this level of respect and mutual respect with, with one another. Um, and I think now more than ever, it's just everyone is dealing with this very differently. And you can't jump to conclusions about um, a about someone's performance, for example, um, to me, it's always coming, taking a step back, and trying to put yourself in their shoes, and um, and being a great communicator and having an open line of communication. So, you know, I have a small team, but I would say we're extremely close because we we show those same two qualities to each other twenty four seven.
0: Yeah, so, so important because a lot of times we have our own experiences, our own dialogue in Mm -hmm. our own mind, and it's difficult for us to uh, look through the lenses of someone else. And a lot of times, just as a sidebar, when someone's underperforming, we don't know what's going on with them, especially if they're a very high performer and then drop off. And so rather than we might flip over to, oh my gosh, that person's lazy or that person's Mm -hmm. not in the line. You know i think you're spot on with the communication and maybe talking to them and saying absolutely hey, I'm used to you performing here i've seen that there's been drop up is there something i should know mm-hmm. just giving them a little space to talk so um you bring up that's a really great point and so and i think honestly when you can be empathetic and vulnerable build the trust and respect that's when your team's going to move mountains for you that's when if exactly. you're having a bad day you're not there they're going to put their head down and work,
1: you know, I agree. I agree.
0: Yeah, so so important. So thank you for, um, for bringing that up. Now, if you were to think about, um, you know, how you might, you know, leave someone who's watching this, either if they're an emerging leader, or let's say they're leading a team, and they're a little concerned about the second half of the year, how it's <laughs> going to look. Can, can you leave them with some tips or tools or calls to action where they can consider and plan into the rest of the quarter and the rest of the year.
1: Definitely. I think it's being as transparent as you possibly can. I don't think any organization truly knows what the right answer is for, you know, what happens when it's safe to go back outside, you know, what what's that going to look like? So, um, I think it starts by having an open dialogue with your team, and um, an understanding with them that it's a transition period. I mean, it's not it's not going to happen overnight, and it is going to take some figuring out of what what the new normal truly is going to look like. So. Um, I think also another thing I would I would stress is that every person is an individual. So you have to kind of meet everyone where they are um, within um, their comfort level. Within this pandemic, everyone has a different risk tolerance. Everyone um, has different you know personal commitments and things that they have to consider. But I think as a leader, it's your job to help remove as many roadblocks as you can for your team to allow them to perform their jobs, the best of their ability.
0: Yeah. So that's so important. And then what about, I noticed that when we were also chatting before and well, let me, let me back up a little Um, last year I interviewed Kelly McElhaney and she, and I'll tell you what she has to do with anything. (laughs) She's a professor at UC Berkeley Haas school of business. And she's the founder of the center for equity Gender and leadership. And she, we were talking about gender equity, and she's like, Well, Cheryl, you know, there's a tremendous amount of inequity within our gender. And I think I conceptually knew that. Mm-hmm. For some reason, when she said that, it just landed on me like a ton of bricks. And I've really started to look into that. There's um, for um, women of color, especially um, or women who are in a group that they feel marginalized. Mm-hmm certain level of emotional tax. there's just certain things that they might have to deal with that maybe other even other women don't have to deal with. So can you shine a little bit of light on that? And maybe how we can make it better? Like yeah. we're talking, I like to talk a lot about, you know, what's called tactical empathy. In other words, having the ability of me literally, literally, or figuratively to put on your glasses and go, okay, what's my, you know, what's Elisa's day going to look like? Not what is it like to be Elisa, but Mm I am Elisa, what's my day like? And so how can we, when you factor that into cohesiveness and compassion, all those things, what's one thing that, you know, we and also that companies can start doing so we start to understand each other a little better?
1: That is a big question. That's a great question. Um, Wow. So when I think let me attack this in a couple different ways. What I think companies need to start doing, and it's not just leadership has to play a key role, but it's at every level is working to create workplace cultures where people feel like they can come to work and be their full authentic self. They don't have to um, kind of show up and, and put on a facade as to what they think they have to sound like, look like, act like in order to succeed within that organization i think that's where that uncomfortable tension comes in so for an example i'm a mom of two kids um and i think a lot of women can probably relate you when you have a rough morning with your kids it is very hard to switch it off completely to go in and run a meeting but if you feel if you work at within an organization where you feel like you don't have to be all buttoned up and you could you can you can still be professional, but you don't have to have it all together all the time. It it just, it makes life a lot easier. Um, And so I think being a woman of color um, within corporate America, I've experienced many things from microaggressions to things that are just blatantly inappropriate and racist. And I think what others can do is to be a true ally is to listen and try to, you know, and try to understand, but figure out how can we help create, how can we help create a workplace in an environment where these things won't continue to happen. And I think a lot of it starts with having an open dialogue and discussing these things makes everyone uncomfortable. And, but by not talking about what's happening, you're never going to start to figure out how you can work together to, solve the problems and make make environments truly inclusive. I think it's one thing to make an organization diverse, but to have an inclusive organization is completely different. And I think sometimes companies over index in the diversity department, and hire lots of great diverse talent, but how do you make them, how do you keep, how do you have an environment that's inclusive? for all to thrive and really progress and do well with an organization.
0: Yeah, and I think so having regular dialogue. And like I said, humans are creatures of comfort. Mm-hmm. So I'd be remiss in saying that I've never um, avoided an uncomfortable conversation <laughs> within my <laughs> family or I have, I have adult kids now. You know, sometimes it's you you have kids too. You have, yeah. to, you have to pull one aside and you know, it's yeah. not all good job, you know. Right. <laughs> Um, and so we all know what it's like to kind of put that off for a little bit, but mm-hmm. being very strategic and intentional. And I, I think, I mean, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think people need some training on how to get the most out of these conversations and maybe have, uh, you know, either or from an organizational standpoint, just to make sure things are communicated, in the right way, um, and it just needs to be structured in a certain way that it's really productive, so everybody's heard, so, um, it, so progress can be made.
1: I agree, and I think to have an effective training, people need to be open, and um, they have to actually show up mentally and um, be willing to do the work as well.
0: Yes, you're... Yes, you're preaching to the choir because <laughs> I tell all of my coaching clients, I'm like Are you willing to show up. Are you, I mean, they have to go through a grueling thing because yeah. um, it's not just for me, but it's really for any type. People have to be receptive, and absolutely willing to do willing to do the work. So, well, thank you so much. This has been so um, enlightening and really profound. And just to recap, you're talking about the importance of being empathetic and vulnerable ourselves and for leaders to be very empathetic and vulnerable and to build trust and ultimately to um, have respect of our team so they in turn have respect for us and to also have consistent communications to foster an inclusive workplace. So top talent that is diverse can be not just retained, but so they can thrive, which will in turn, someday people will recognize that it will benefit everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you wanted to leave everyone with something, so in other words, or if you could look everyone in the eyes and leave them with something that they could really use and put in their back pocket and really be important moving forward, what would that be?
1: I touched on it a little bit, but it's truly, um stop comparing yourself to other people be very honest with yourself and what do you want to accomplish what experiences do you want to obtain um and how do you want to leave your mark at an organization or in this world and that i think if you approach whether it's your career and your next role in that way um i think it opens, it opens up doors and you might end up in a role that you wouldn't have even considered if you were truly focused on what you think the next step logically might be for yourself. Um, I've found that um, no career path is linear um, and ups and downs happen, but they make, that's what makes you special and makes you um, resilient and um, helps you do even better as you move throughout your your career. So enjoy the ride. Don't be so focused on the end goal. Um, and truly uh, do things that make you happy and spark joy. I know it sounds so cliche, but um, it really, that's what I have found is um, allowed me to really flourish and, and do my best within my career.
0: Yeah, and I'm also hearing to just to try things. If someone yeah. sees something in you and You know, maybe you're working in finance and someone pulls you into the fintech part of finance. You're Mm -hmm. like, I'm not good at that. But hold back on the I'm not good at that and give it a try if it's interesting to you.
1: That's yeah. And that's what happened in the role I'm in now. Um, My manager, um, I was in a purely marketing role and she is an amazing person and she saw something in me and was like, I think you could do this. And I'm doing it. And so, you know, you have to trust yourself and trust trust what others might see in yourself that you don't necessarily see in yourself.
0: Yes, I really want people to hang on to that. Trust in others and what they see in you mm-hmm. that you might not see in yourself. I have heard that message over and over and over, over probably the last year and a half of doing these interviews. So it is so, so important, Elisa. Thank you so much for taking your continued success. And I really admire what you've accomplished and I look forward to following you.
1: Thank you so much.